Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. And you know what, Tim? That felt a lot more natural this time. Yeah, I'm proud of you, man. Hey, everybody. This is probably one of, no offense to any former guests, but as a massive hockey fan, this is probably one of my favorite interviews that we've we've done at least this year. Well, I mean, it was a, it was a pretty interesting interview, and we were really excited to land this guest. Um, in case you guys are wondering who it is at this point, it is head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets, John Tortorella. And, uh, man, it was great talking to Torts. Uh, he was, I mean, really interesting guy and, uh, really just felt down to earth, like willing to talk to us about a lot of different things and, and got into a little bit of his past and, and then talked a lot of hockey and, you know, culture was big for him. I think that was one of the things that really struck me is like, he really enjoyed talking about how to build a culture and how to build a team that, that has a winning mentality. He definitely has a lot of that, a lot of history of doing that. He's done it here, turned up, turned a bunch of programs around. And, uh, you know, for our two professional teams that we have, the crew in the, in the Blue Jackets, we have some awesome head coaches right now. Yeah. Caleb Porter's an amazing personality and Tortorella's the same way. They both can, can command a locker room and lead uh, they don't lead with anger. They lead with example and, uh, mm-hmm. they, they, you, they're, they're the kind of person you want to play for. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you, we have, if you think about it, right. Like if I was trying to be a coach of a professional sports team, Columbus is a great place to be. Cause you're mm-hmm. surrounded by guys like torts, Caleb Porter, Caleb Porter, mm-hmm. not a big soccer fan. Thanks, Tim. It's all right. Um, Ryan day, urban Myers here. Like mm-hmm. you just got a yeah, lot Ryan of, day's a stud too. Yeah, he's coming man, on. He's going to be, he's going to be, I, I just got a feeling one of the best coaches Ohio State's ever had. So absolutely, uh, unless we lose into the year. NFL, well, which, that's a whole other story. But there's yeah. no if you're if you're that cemented in college and with that much success, there's no reason to go. There's a long history right. of coaches that have gone and come back and whatnot. That's another episode. Yeah, uh, hockey announced coming back January first for the 2021 yep. season. So this is right on. Just get you excited for it. And the Jackets released a little teaser today of a uh, a reverse throwback jersey. Oh man, uh, to some high controversy. So if you want to get on the internet and see people fight over should we have a red jersey or not. Hot topic. Yep. So a lot Probably of Probably somewhere on Only and Seabus, huh? Not yet. Not yet. Oh. I just looked at it myself. I, okay. I sent a couple of texts because it's a preview. Yeah. I was like, I want to see the real thing. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. We'll, see gotcha. If, we'll see if I'm cool enough to get to get a, a look <laughs> at it. Probably not. Yeah. Well, guys, enjoy this interview. It's just me and Tim. Um, but again, we had a lot of fun talking to Torts. And uh, if you guys are uh, still tuning in, you must like the podcast. So hit that subscribe button. Please but, do. Uh, we'll talk to you here in a minute. This is Conquering. Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors. Today on the show, Jenny Brittenbauer of Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams. I'm truly never comfortable. When I'm comfortable, I'm bored. I just have to keep going. Only when you're a little bit scared are you in a place where you're about to learn something. We're explorers, and explorers are making discoveries because they are going places people haven't before. Urban Meyer. There's one guarantee in this world, and that's hard work will be rewarded. And hard work, you have to embrace discomfort. I love how you said that, a little uncomfortably. Donato's Jane Abel. We have a umbrella idea of agape capitalism, which is about doing business and doing it with love and giving back to the community. And I believe in our products, but more importantly, I believe in our people. Pelotonia CEO, Doug Olman. There's this genuine pride for things that were born and raised in Columbus. And that's awesome. At the same time, there's this beautiful Midwest humility. People don't necessarily care about who gets credit. Cameron Mitchell of Cameron Mitchell Restaurants. One of our goals is to be better today than we were yesterday and better tomorrow than we are today. And that goal stays the same 24-7-365. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors. Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus. And this is an exciting one, uh, one we've been looking forward to for a while here. We've got 
head coach John Tortorella, and he is the coach for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Coach Tortorella played hockey for the University of Maine and spent time playing in a league in Sweden, as well as four years of minor pro hockey before moving into coaching in the American Hockey League. And he has been a head coach for the Tampa Bay Lightning, where he led the team to the first Stanley Cup win in the franchise's history, as well as the New York Rangers, the Vancouver Canucks, before coming to Columbus to coach the Blue Jackets. Uh, and he has led to the Blue Jackets to four playoff appearances. He's actually the winningest coach in Blue Jackets history at this point. Uh, so we're really excited to have Coach Tortorella on the show today to talk about his hockey journey and all things Blue Jackets. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Coach. Thanks, man. Good to be here. Yeah, I really appreciate you joining us today. And uh, so one of the first places we like to start is just get a little bit of background for, uh, you know, some of our listeners who maybe aren't huge hockey fans or, you know, just to get an understanding of where you came from. So if you could just quickly talk a little bit about kind of your early life and hockey career, how you got into hockey, that sort of thing. Yeah, I was playing in a league. Uh, it was called the Atlantic Coast Hockey League. Closest thing to slap shot that uh, you can get to as far as uh, back in the day then. Six teams in the league, very, very low minors. You weren't even sure if the league was going to be there the next day. Uh, very fortunate after college. Went overseas for a year, two years over there. Came back, started playing in this league. Was not I was not a good player. I loved playing, but I was not a good player. And then I blew my knee out. And the owner, who has since passed, Henry Brabham, who kept that league running, and now is it really is the East Coast Hockey League because of that gentleman. He just passed away probably, it was probably three months ago. And uh, uh, he gave me my first opportunity to coach. I, I was playing on, on his team in Virginia. Uh, injured pretty badly, couldn't play anymore, asked me to start coaching. And uh, you know what, guys, it just, I never thought I was going to do it. I never thought I was going to stop playing. I was having so much fun and uh, started coaching, won a couple of championships there, met some people and just have been very fortunate with the opportunities that that have been given me. How different was that experience for you coaching versus playing? I mean, that's, that's a from most of the coaches I've talked to in my past, it's it's very very significant shift in your mindset and and how you go about things. So was that was that a tough transition for you? Yeah, you know what you know what I did at first. I was a player coach. Uh, I, I rehabbed my knee. I didn't want to stop playing. I asked Henry when he asked me to start coaching, "Can I try to be a player coach?" And uh, he gave me the opportunity. And I tell you, a, a guy who is a very close friend of mine. Uh, Solid hockey guy, Robbie Laird, coached the Fort Wayne Comets, uh, coached the Washington Capitals, is now a pro scout with the Los Angeles Kings. He's the one who told me, make a decision, either coach or try to play, because you can't do either well if you try to do them both. And uh, so that's when we started going down that road. First thing I did uh, that summer when I knew I was going to coach is I restored our locker room. I, I built a uh, the inside of the locker room there in Virginia, trying to make it as professional as possible. Uh, because I think that's, I think players need to feel that, that we're in the low, low minors. And I just wanted them to feel uh, that this still is pro hockey and uh, spent all summer there banging nails and uh, guys, very fortunate to get the opportunity with Henry. And then uh, I've had some great mentors along the way that have, have given me some opportunities. Definitely. I, it, you know, that actually resonates with me a lot, the story about the locker room. So I, I walked onto the wrestling team at Ohio State and the wrestling room I came from right in high school was, was nothing like the locker room. But the the environment you're in all the time really does affect your mindset. And, and 
makes you think, hey, you know what? I got to come in and perform today if, if you're in a, a an environment like that. It's so important. It, it really is. I mean, we were hanging our stuff on nails the year before. And um, yeah, I, I, I think just feeling it when you walk into a room in a team sport is your time. It, it, it's so important. Well, it's a culture thing, right? I mean, it changes the culture of the team. Yeah, it is. You know, it, my first year coaching, I played with some of the players that tried out for that team my first year. I played, they were good friends of mine for probably three or four years with that team. I ended up cutting a bunch of them uh, because I wanted just to change. I wanted us to, uh, I wanted to win. I, I, I wanted to try something different. It was my first whack at it and we were going to go full bore and uh, lost some friendships over it. But I guess that's the test of your friendship when you're dealing with that type of stuff. And so you know, just talking about it now, that's a long time ago, man. And uh, it was a blast down there. Just a blast. Sounds like a lot of fun. Hey, everybody, we're going to take a quick break here to talk about one of our sponsors, One Columbus. You know, it really couldn't be cooler to have a sponsor and a partner like One Columbus. They are directly in alignment with everything we stand for and everything we're looking to promote here at Conquering Columbus. I mean, they just want to bring the most competitive companies to the area and make everything about the city and the region just one of the greatest places to live in the United States and in the world for that matter. Yeah, they're like the ultimate Columbus hype man. They're trying to bring new businesses here, show them what our strengths are, but also address some of the weaknesses and say, like, this is how we could get better. So for us, we're excited to help promote their goal and help tell the story with them on board. Absolutely. And uh, if you guys want to learn more about One Columbus, check them out at columbusregion.com. That's columbusregion.com. You know, kind of bringing it closer to the present, right? You get you got your first chance at head coaching with in the NHL with Tampa Bay Lightning, right? And and you kind of stepped into a team that was also, you know, kind of on on the wrong track. Did you take what you learned there and, and apply it at Tampa Bay Lightning? Like, in, did that experience in uh, the American Hockey League coaching did that help you when you when you got that chance with Tampa Bay? Yeah, yeah, I, I think all all. Uh uh, experiences, good and bad. I think you can draw off of, uh, we were, uh, when we were in, when my first, I was an assistant coach in Tampa under Steve Ludzik, a good friend of mine coached him in Buffalo. When I was an assistant coach in Buffalo, uh, Rick Dudley was the general manager. He ended up letting Ludzie go. I took over, I think, right. The turn of the year, January 1st. And we, it was an organization guys that, you know, it played in a bunch of different buildings down there. It was hockey in Florida. Mene mm-hmm. uh, Renome, the goalie, they were trying all different things to try to make it catch there. It was it was a struggle at first to try to get it uh, straightened out, but uh, we we grabbed a hold of it. And you know, culture is an easy word to say. It's a real nice word to say, but to develop it, it takes time. And so we worked at it as a group, as players, as coaches. And slowly found our way and uh, end up end up winning a Stanley Cup. And right now, that organization in the National Hockey League is probably the top, one of the top, if not the top, organization in the league. And then again, they win it this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. It's that. It's. I mean, I, I don't want to keep going back to culture, but I think culture is super important for any team. And you know, when you have a winning history, when you've proven that you can do it, it, it really does change the uh, the future of a team. Yeah, yeah, and and I go back to the language, culture, uh, standard, uh, accountability. Those are all really nice words to say in the summertime. It is tough to uphold all winter long, year after year, to get to where 
that where you think you should be as an organization, not just on the ice, but just as an organization. And that's something we continue to work on here in Columbus. And, you know, we're, we're, we're finding our way. I think we've cracked the door in understanding what it is to compete in this league. And I think our guys are playing and handle themselves at a different standard and uh, nice words to say, but very difficult to do. Definitely. You know, and speaking of Columbus, let's, let's talk a little bit about Columbus since the podcast is called Conquering Columbus. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you first came to Columbus, right? What, what was your first impression of not only the team, but the city in general and kind of the environment? Yeah. You know, I, I didn't know too much about Columbus. Uh, you know, we've lost some players uh, the past couple of years. Uh, is it a destination for a lot of free agents to come to Columbus? Not so sure. <laughs> you know, they, they call it a flyover state. And I didn't know much about it, but you got to wear it. And, and since I, it is such a great sports town and such a great place to bring up your family, the people have been fantastic. And that's what I try to tell the players, uh, you know, when they start talking about maybe coming here. You know, don't don't look by it because it's not New York City or it's not a team in Florida. Uh, it's not a Canadian team. Uh, don't look by it until you try it on. And uh, yeah, I have uh, my wife and I, we're entrenched in the community. We love being there. And uh, we we have gone about our business and I give our organization right, right from uh, our ownership right on through. We have slowly chipped away and trying to become a solid organization in the National Hockey League. Yeah, I mean, as a Blue Jackets season ticket holder, you know, prior to you coming to the city, I mean, when you started, we were 0 7. So I was kind of curious. I want to ask there's two parts. One, watching the team turn around from, you know, just perennial just losers to, you know, four straight playoffs, you know, winning our first series. One, is that something that you look at when you're, when you're joining an organization? It seems like your track record is going somewhere that's on the outs and turning it around into a winning organization. Do you seek that out, or has that just been kind of a, a coincidence? Yeah, it's kind of happened that way. We won a Stanley Cup in Tampa in 04, and I barely I, – I wore the ring one time when we got them. They were sent to us. I wore them for about – I wore it for about 10 minutes. I don't even know where it is right now, quite honestly. <laughs> the, the, the thing that's cool about building a team, improving – not only on the ice, but off the ice is so very important, not only as a player, but as a person, it takes some time. And uh, I just, as I said, rhetoric is an easy thing to spew out there and, and say, yeah, we're going to do this, that, the other thing, but it does take time. I, I've really been fortunate to be with an organization uh, from the ownership right on through that is willing uh, to do the things you need to do to try to win this league. And the players have been fantastic. And, you know, my first year, we had a ways to go, starting with conditioning of the team, how we handle our practices, how you present yourself. At least in my view, I just think we needed to understand what it is to be a pro. And that was the first thing I tried to attack is just how you present yourself each and every day. And consider when you come to the rink, that is a work day. And you present yourself that way. And I just think we built off of that, started finding our way, had some success, still haven't gotten where we want to be. But I think the standard of play has raised. And now, guys, I think the players are kind of taking over. That's what's neat about it. That we've had the core here for so long. It's not me being in the room all the time with the other coaches. The players are kind of taking over with this. And that's you guys know that's how you win championships. It's the locker room that takes care of itself, not the coaches being in there. 
and uh, I swear we're getting there. A hundred percent. I mean, something that I, I, that I've heard, I can't remember who it was from. I don't think it was coach Ryan at Ohio state, but it was, it was while I was there at that time is culture is what happens when the coach isn't there, not what happens when the coach is there. And that's hard. We're going to take a quick break here to thank one of our sponsors, the Burlett Family Foundation. The Burlett Family Foundation is committed to serving as a trusted partner and resource to organizations striving to improve our community here in Columbus. All right, let's get back to the episode. So when you're bringing in a player, it's super important that that player be willing to fit in with that culture and willing to build on it, especially for your core team, like you talked about. Like, What are some of the things you're really looking for when, when you are considering bringing someone into the team? Yeah, we, we, we talk about it, uh, Yarmo, myself, and all the guys, the management and coaches. It's, uh, you know, you're, you're, always, you're always looking for that high character guy. I, I think today's athlete, quite honestly, uh, they're kind of rehearsed uh, when you talk to them. I think they have an entourage around them. Uh, they tell them what to say when these certain questions have asked. I watch players when they don't think they're being watched. I think you find out about people that way. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, you know, and, and we get a couple of players coming. There's like like Domi's coming in. Max Domi's coming in uh, mm-hmm. th- this year, and you know, I, I think he's going to really help us. He's going to have to learn to be a little bit more disciplined how he handles himself on the ice. I, I like personality, but I don't like it getting carried away. And that's that's one thing I already know I'm going to be coaching him on. We got this guy Koivu coming in, who epitomizes what it is to be a pro. He, he's probably lost a step or two. He's an older guy now. But what he's going to do for our room as far as understanding just what we talked about prior here, as far as how you present yourself, it's so important. It's easy for people to tell you what this, what, what made the agent tell you what his player is about. It takes some time to watch them and they're put in some experiences and they're tested in certain areas. That's when you truly find out. So it's not a over the night answer. It's a process. And, uh, it's one of the most interesting parts of me in coaching is watching and doing the things a player needs to do to be a pro. Forget the X's and O's, just what it is to be a pro. Yeah, I know the fan base is pretty excited from what I've been able to see online about the acquisitions and, you know, the draft coming up and stuff like that. What was it like, you know, your involvement in the draft this year, obviously with COVID kind of completely changing how, you know, last season ended and then how this one's going forward. Has that been difficult to, you know, get these well, you know, I, I imagine you can have a call with somebody, but like you said, get in the room, really see what that what they're like when no one's watching. Have you um, have you experienced how how's that experience been? I guess with uh, you know this whole pandemic. Yeah, yeah, and in pandemic or no pandemic, I don't uh, I don't know the players that we're drafting. I'm so involved with our teams as far as in the professional part of it, the pros. Mm-hmm. But the amateur draft, I don't know too much. I don't know the players and. You know, I Yarmo gets pissed off at me sometimes, but I, I don't want to hear about who, what they think he is, and mm-hmm. uh, what type of character and uh, how he plays. I want to watch and I want to make my own decisions. So, quite honestly, that draft day, coaches sit down there at the table. Although we it wasn't in a big building this year, but we sit down there and we pick our nose, and we're quite honestly we're in the way of the most important people that day, the scouts that grind it all went along and looking at these places all over the world in these small rinks that they go to. So that's their day. We, we, we do have communication as far as what we need. I think that's when they talk to the coaches as what we think we need on our team. But uh, I'm going to make my decision when I see him in camp. 
and put them through the camp as far as conditioning and tests like that mentally. And, and then I'll come up with an idea of what I think that player is. What was that experience like? I, I don't think that the NHL got enough credit for how well they executed. You know, I saw mm -hmm. a lot of other pro sports. I follow many of the big ones and there was breakouts and there was, you know, things that you can't avoid. But I feel like the NHL was rather smooth for as, you know, crazy of a situation as that was. Was that, um, was it, did it feel like lockdown for you guys? You know, we talked to the MLS guys and they just said it, it was on the field or in, you know, training or their hotel room. Was it, did it kind of feel like a, like a, like a jail almost? Or what was that, what was that experience in the bubble like? No, it was different. You certainly, you certainly get a little stir crazy. Uh, but I tell you guys, the league did a fantastic job. I don't think we had one positive test mm -hmm. through the couple of months of the bubble. We were there for a month. You were able to go out into a like patio area, uh, a real big patio area in the middle of Toronto, but no one can get to you. It's all fenced off. And uh, I used to do my tape work out there just to get outside, get some uh, fresh air. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it, uh, it was different. Uh, and, but but it was kind of nice for me to see the players band together. They're, they were always together. You'd be walking to the rink at practice or going to the game and then getting to the bus for practice. I think it really made your group together and, and tighten up that way. So uh, we talked about before we went there. Uh, it, it's going to be a different uh, situation. Yeah. No one's going to complain about it. We're just going to attack each and every day, which whatever comes our way. Yeah, like I said, I don't think that the NHL got enough credit for how well that was executed. And obviously each team, you know, they're responsible as well. Smooth. Was it strange to have just like, because I mean, I, I go to all the home games, you know, I've been a season ticket holder for years. Like, how quiet was it in there? I know, were they pumping in, you know, fake crowd noise? But was it weird to not have people, you know, banging on the glass and screaming and stuff? The, weird, the weirdest part for me was after the anthems and all you hear are players tapping sticks in the ice. Yeah, and yeah that's... <laughs> I tell you, and... We are blessed to have great athletes in our game. Once the puck was dropped, everybody competed. It was some good hockey played. They mm -hmm. did a really nice job of, of pumping in some of the fan noise at, at certain times in the game. But the hockey was fantastic. And really, quite honestly, I, I think the league did a fantastic job. There wasn't a safer place around than where we were. Yeah, we were really impressed tested, by it. Yeah, tested every day, temperature taken every day. Uh, you, you weren't allowed and you, you were just watched over very well. Uh, and then I give the league and the players uh, how hard they competed uh, doing a fantastic job in a crazy situation. Hey there, Conquerors. We want to take a quick moment to talk about one of our sponsors, Studio 301. Kyle and his team have helped us redesign our website, taking the podcast in a new direction that we truly love. And we have some incredible guests here on the show. And Studio 301 has given us a website that reflects the caliber of the people that join us. And the Studio 301 team can help you with everything from brand strategy and redesigns to market research, videography, social media overhauls, and a whole lot more. You can go check them out at studio301.org. That's studio301.org. I want to get to talking a little bit about uh, the Tortorella Family Foundation and the animal rescue um, operation you guys have going on. But one last hockey question, which is, uh, do you think we'll see fans in the stands in 2021? And how does Columbus compare to other arenas in terms of fan enthusiasm, just from your experience? I'll answer the latter first. It's one of the, and you talk to other players from other teams, it's one of the tougher buildings to play in. Uh, it's it's a little bit old-fashioned. People are still on top of you. Uh, where all these uh, new rinks are, uh, the fans are kind of pushed away. They're from a distance. Uh, 
It's a great building. Uh, I love the brick in the building. Uh, you, you walk around the building, all the, it, it's just such a gorgeous place. The first question, I don't have a clue. Yeah. <laughs> you know, judging, and I watch the news all, you know, I watch the news on this. We're trying to, my wife and I are trying to be very careful. Uh, I think it's, it seems like it's going to get worse. Mm-hmm. I just, I think that's what I think. And just, uh, you know, me, it's just my thought. I think the league is waiting and hoping that, geez, can we get some people in there? Because the owners are getting buried. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think they're trying to wait as long as they possibly can to maybe, is there a vaccine? I don't know. Does it calm down? I don't know. Uh, so it's a real tough question to answer. I don't think the average fan realizes how much it costs to run just the lights at the arena for like one hour. Yeah, and the, and the TV deals and stuff that the NFL has that uh, hockey has very very like the right. big numbers. So not having the fans and the concessions and stuff like that can it can it can hit a, a small not smaller team but you know the smaller market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we're we're a smaller market than mm-hmm. some of the other markets, and uh, you know having having people's asses in the seats is very yeah. important for us. And I don't know, I, I'm. I want to be in those seats. I wonder, you know what we should set up is like a virtual seat, right? You can join a Zoom and like everyone, can, you can pay for a virtual ticket. I just want to be in there, man. I know, but I would still, <laughs> I would support the team with a virtual ticket. Yeah, for sure. Um, I got I got to get one more hockey question okay, before I okay. move on. Okay, he's got one more and then so, we're going to talk. You, I mean, you brought Tampa Bay to their first win. Was there any sort of, you know, by getting the Jackets' first playoff series win, you know, them having the presidents, the record-setting season they had, was sweeping them in the first round, was that any sort of like, did it mean anything more to you or was it just like, we just got to win this game, doesn't matter who it's against? Because because of Tampa? Yeah, just being that, you know, that story because taking them yeah. to there and then them being so high up and then us winning our first playoff nah, series in such no. a huge fashion. Because for the city, that was like Christmas, yeah. my birthday and everything in one, you know, that sweep, I, like I've never seen all of my hockey f- friends, that arena, just that excited and so I was yeah. just curious if that for you was, if it being against Tampa mattered at all, if it was just like, no matter who we beat, this is awesome. No, it didn't. It, it mattered to me that it was, it, it, Tampa ran through the league as strong as they were going into this. That mattered to us. Mm-hmm. You know, we, uh, we certainly respected them coming in. I don't think anybody respected us at all. Uh, yeah, nobody gave us a chance. Them. Yeah, n- no, one asked, no one asked me a question leading up to that series about our team. Mm-hmm. All it was was talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm-hmm. And that that stuck a, uh, it, it really it it bothered me and it bothered the players and we kind of used that as some fuel. But it was you know I, I did I usually don't get involved in the crowd during games. I'm so wrapped up in the bench. But that that fourth game when we we're scoring some empty net goals there, mm-hmm. I, and I I just had to stop and just look at the building. And I was proud of our team and I was, I was so happy for the fans and, you know, for such a long time in this organization uh, to get a playoff win. And having said that, as I told the players that we have three more rounds to go before mm-hmm. you, you do the thing. So we have some work to do here. Absolutely. And, you know, when, uh, you know, my dad, he's, uh, he's coached football and a couple other things before, but he always, whenever we see an upset, he always says, you know, hey, somebody forgot to tell tell the Blue Jackets they were supposed to lose that game, you know, but that's, that's what happens when an underdog steps up. They just, you know, Hey, we're not here to just lay down for you. You know, nobody sat down in the entire arena that entire game. It was just standing only. It was, that's just electric. I'm looking forward to more of that. We're very thankful for that. But like you said, it's just the first step. Let's do the, yeah, we, we want to do the it whole is. thing. It was, and, and quite honestly, I thought we played really against, really good against Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second round, 
Tuka Rask, as the series went on, just took off. And I, you know, and I know, I know Bob doesn't like me saying it. Bob was really good. But then Bob started leveling a little bit in that Boston series. Tuka Rask just took that off. That was unbelievable. Oh my gosh! And uh, we played good that round. So hopefully uh, we can get get a season going here and try to get back in it and see where we go. Our sponsor is Waveform Music Group. Andy and Carlin have been working with us to take the production of Conquering Columbus to the next level, and Josh and I cannot be happier with the results. Outside of podcast production, Andy and Carlin are experts in songwriting, music production, and sonic branding for companies of all sizes. And to learn more about them, head to their website, createwaveforms.com. That is createwaveforms.com, and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. Well, Coach, last thing we want to talk about, Tortorella Family Foundation. I know we were talking to Todd Chirac. He mentioned you have like two rescue horses, some dogs, a bunch of different animals. And it sounds like animals are pretty important to you. Can you tell us a little more about how that came about? Yeah, that, that you know, I take orders from my wife. Uh, she, <laughs> she has built that foundation herself. Uh, she basically runs it with two other women and, it, and it's turned into a pretty big foundation as far as some of the people that she's touching. You know what? It, it, the thing that's really, the, the thing I think I help with not so much me, but just the position that I have as a head coach in a professional sports team, it opens doors to, to opportunities to help where if I, if it wasn't such a public position or it wasn't with a team within the city, these doors don't come your way, you know? And mm-hmm. so it, it really gives us an opportunity to help. Uh, we're, we're helping educational with the young kids. Uh, she's got children's books on that foundation, uh, we're we're all we're all in on the animals, uh, all through the rural communities out here in the in the city. We feel fortunate that we're able to help. My job just it just seems to it, it opens doors for us to to give us more opportunities to help. So, but that that's my wife Christine. She is a driving force there. We're just trying to do the best we can to help other people and animals. Of course, no, it makes uh, makes complete sense. And question: Can people adopt? animals through the organization? Uh, we, we try to stay, we, we can direct, my wife tells me to be very careful with this because I've, I've kind of opened my mouth up and said, yeah, get on the foundation. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, she says, you don't totally understand how I run the foundation You're talking to me. And there, there are avenues. Uh, we post uh, uh, Anthony Rothman. Uh, we have a radio show together. As far as hockey and hounds, we post a lot of information on some of the dogs Anthony talks about. There are ways, uh, you just got to check out the foundation. There are so many avenues to look into. All the avenues lead to dogs, cats. Now we're really into horses. We just started that a couple of years ago. There are avenues there. Just I just tell the people, you you want uh, you want to have an opportunity to help or, or you're looking for something, in the animal resource, there's something there in our foundation. Where should they go to check that out? It's at the TortorellaFamilyFoundation.com. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, just Google Tortorella Foundation. You'll get right into it. And it, and it's for kids. It's for it, it. It's self-esteem. It's 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 reading. It's educational. Oh, God, I wish my wife was here. She, I'm in New York right now. She's in Columbus, and I wish I could put her on with you because she has. She's the one who does it all. Well. Uh- Appreciate you sharing that, Coach. And uh, if you guys are listening out there, go check out the foundation. Uh, again, you know, you got the website here and uh, uh, we'll 
post it somewhere on, on the on our website as well, just so you guys can find that link easily. But uh, Coach, it's been great talking with you. We really appreciate your time today and appreciate you tuning in to talk with us. I appreciate it, guys. Enjoy talking with you. Hey, man, we're looking forward to the season and uh, seeing those guys back on the ice. Yeah, let's go Jackets. Yeah, <laughs> damn right. Damn right. <laughs> All right, Coach. All right, man. Have Thank a good you. and stay safe. Thank you, guys. Be safe. 